0: So you probably are aware by now that we use Anchor.fm here on this podcast for COVID-19 PPC. And I wanted to tell you about Anchor.fm because this is actually the second uh, podcast hosting software I've used. And um, I really like it. I love how easy it is to use. I love the fact that it's free. And they have so many tools here like music and all these different options that help you record and edit your podcast either from your phone or your PC, or your computer, and then Anchor distributes your podcast for you, so that it can be on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more places, and then also you can even make money from your podcast with minimum, with no minimum listenership, and it's all you need to make a podcast in one place, so if you're new to podcasting, and you're interested in um, getting started, I recommend Anchor.fm. So what you can do is download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Um, That's my recommendation. And, um, you know, after almost a year of podcasting, I'm really glad I found Anchor just recently. It just makes things so much easier. And uh, yeah, come check out anchor.fm. Welcome to COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno, presenting information from various sources about the COVID-19 pandemic from public health policy and cultural perspectives. We will be sharing international accounts from policy, public health response, and even personal experiences firsthand about living in this era of COVID-19. Welcome to this episode of COVID-19 Public Health Policy and Culture. I'm Dr. April Moreno and happy first day of summer. It is summertime now here in the northern hemisphere of the world and today we are talking about COVID-19 response locally in the Southern California and zooming in even more in the Los Angeles region, the Los Angeles City region of the world. And today we'll be speaking with Assemblymember Luz Rivas, who represents part of the northern section of Los Angeles City, more commonly known as the San Fernando Valley. This is a special place for me because I grew up in the region as well. And I met Luz several years ago in 2011, as we were both members of a fellowship Called Leadership Los Angeles. We were both part of this cohort in 2011 as part of the Southern California Leadership Network, which was a wonderful opportunity. They've also got others, Leadership Southern California and other related programs. We were able to learn so much about different parts of Los Angeles City and what makes the city work. We were able to connect with key stakeholders in the region to learn about so many aspects from the hospitals to the prisons, to public utilities. I believe we went to an electric plant at some point of the fellowship as well. So we've learned so many different aspects and we met so many amazing people as well from business, education, nonprofit, and leadership. So we've had a couple people from Leadership LA who moved forward into uh, political representation who represent different parts of the city, the state, which has been exciting to see as well. People are working at institutions such as USC now, other programs around the world, and it's just been a wonderful opportunity. So this is an interview with Luz Rivas, who is an assembly member. I just noticed the great work she's been doing. She has been doing on facebook for social media education about the pandemic and this interview was conducted a couple of months ago just before the social justice movement that we're currently in the world and in the united states and this was back when we were continuing the language of flattening the curve in the united states and regionally in los angeles and in southern california we were able to flatten the curve pretty successfully, but now a couple more months into this pandemic response, we are seeing that things have kind of plateaued for the most part. We haven't been able to reduce that curve so much recently for various reasons. For example, the protests, the current movement with the protests as one example of how difficult it has been, and then the reopenings. So there have been protests and unrest and cabin fever for the most part response several different perspectives of how to approach this. And we've got people who have been out protesting the recent police brutality episodes of police brutality out there. And then we've got individuals who have really been unhappy with not being able to get their services as it as usual, such as their haircuts and things. So there's been demand for yoga studios, gyms, and salons to reopen, restaurants and bars. And then for factors such as these, we have not been able to reduce the curve. Now we've seen the plateau, we've seen the flattening, which has been very helpful in reducing the spread of this virus. But what's next? I know that more recently, we have slowed down the reopenings, but those things that reopen this week, such as such as the gyms, yoga studios, and hair salons, and bars and restaurants. They're going to stay open for now, but as for the next phase, they're actually going to place a hold on that for now. So there's just been some miscommunication in terms of misinformation about mask wearing, and it's really, I think of it as something as simple as a tissue. When you are sick, you put a tissue to your face or an arm to your face to block the spread of that sneeze. And it is really as simple as that. There is no need to debate the effectiveness of a mask. We're talking about the infection rate of particles being spread into the air. And unfortunately, with something like this, we are able to realize and recognize that particles stay in the air for quite some time. So really think of the mask as walking around with a tissue to your face. It's as simple as that. You don't need to debate whether it's effective or not. We already know that when someone has a cold or they're sneezing, they need to cover their mouth. We learned this in kindergarten. So whether we want to say that mask wearing is effective or not, it is the same thing. The cloth mask, the paper mask is to cover our nose and our mouth so that we don't spread virus into the air if we were infected and didn't know it, for example, or if we do know it and we're still going out. I've just seen too much out there where people are debating the effectiveness of wearing a mask. I've seen people going out there and saying, I'm not going to wear it. I have rights. And it's just like, okay, it's really, I want to communicate this as simply as I can. It's like wearing a tissue on your face. You don't have to constantly hold it to your face because we know that whether it's breathing, sneezing, coughing, it's the simple act of releasing those particles into the air that make it so infectious the state of california more recently has required mask wearing in public in certain circumstances it again is like wearing a tissue to your face so the last thing i wanted to mention is that i have aimed for this podcast to be published on a weekly basis because there's so much timely information there's so much out there around the world so many perspectives Diverse perspectives. I don't know if you've noticed, we have people of color. We have so many people of diverse backgrounds around the world who have been sharing their experiences with the pandemic. We have been talking about experiences from people who are expats, people who are working in different countries, people who represent diverse populations. This is no accident. We are really interested in multicultural aspects of culture, politics, public policy, how it affects diverse populations. If you feel so inclined, I would greatly appreciate a donation to the podcast. To help with production costs, I'm realizing that in order to get this stuff out on a weekly basis, I can't do it alone anymore. I run two podcasts. I run the Sisterhood of Limitless Living, which is about autoimmune living for women and thriving from a multicultural perspective. Again, it is the multicultural community for autoimmune women. And then because of the pandemic, I just felt the urgency and the need to share diverse perspectives on culture, policy, and public health through this podcast and do all of the work involved in podcasting on a weekly basis for both podcasts. If you feel that this podcast has been useful to you and you find value in it. You find that it provides important information. Consider a donation so that we can begin to cover the cost of production on anchor.fm slash COVID-19 PPC. You will see a link to support the podcast. I hope you enjoy this episode with Assemblywoman Luz Rivas. I'm Dr. April Moreno here, speaking with Assemblywoman Luz Rivas, and this is going to be a special episode hearing about how COVID is taking place in Los Angeles, in a specific part of Los Angeles, and the great work that Assemblywoman Luz Rivas has been doing to provide information and guidance to the community to protect public health. So welcome, Assemblywoman Luz Rivas. Thank you. Very excited to talk to you about this issue. Thank you. So please tell us a little bit about yourself and the community that you serve.
1: Sure. So I am the assemblywoman for the 39th Assembly District, um, which includes the Northeast San Fernando Valley. So it's the northernmost city limits of the city of Los Angeles. And I also represent the small city of San Fernando. It's the area where I grew up. I grew up in the Northeast San Fernando Valley. This is where I was raised, and my family lives, has lived here for years. So I'm very proud to represent this area in the state legislature. I was elected in June of 2018, almost two years in office. Prior to this, I served on the Board of Public Works for the City of LA, which is all the engineering and infrastructure projects for the City of Los Angeles. And my background is engineering and STEM education. I'm the founder of a STEM nonprofit that encourages girls to get interested in STEM. So, I think I bring a lot of different career and educational experience to the state legislature.
0: That's some great experience that you shared with us. And I'm also a Valley girl. I grew up all throughout the 80s in Van Nuys area, Panorama City. Very close to me, yes. How are you doing during this pandemic time?
1: You know, I'm doing well. I have everything I need, which I'm very grateful for. Staying at home, just like everybody else, and trying to protect myself and my family from the virus. For me, I'm working a lot, even though I'm home because as a state legislature, one, my constituents are calling my office because they really need help at this time. And all of my staff is working remotely, but we are still answering calls every day. Most people call us for help on unemployment insurance, the DMV, which are all state agencies. I'm trying to take care of myself at home, but at the same time, work on what's next at the state level and how the state is responding to this crisis.
0: Yes, and I think that the state's been doing a really good job being very vocal with us and very visible and clear about what we need to be doing, very clear about regulations and policies. So I appreciate that. Could you tell us a little bit more about how things are going locally in your region in response to COVID and what the population, the community is dealing with right now? Well, right now in the region, my whole assembly district is in Los Angeles County. And
1: I'm proud right now to be a a resident of LA County and, of course, of California, because as you said, I think our officials are doing a great job of communicating to the public. Like every day on our local news, around noon, we see Governor Newsom, followed by the Director of Public Health for the County of Los Angeles and they keep us informed update us on numbers on number of cases of covid-19 as well as they break it down by community and cities in the county of los angeles so i'm able to track how many cases there are in my area and by community area which is very important to my constituents because we live in the city of los angeles which is huge right so when if you just say city of los angeles We don't know where the cases are, but because the county releases the data by community within the city of LA, it allows us to see, oh, it's, you know, I see and I'm like, oh, it's affecting my community or next door to me, there's X number of cases. So I appreciate that. And as a member of the state legislature, I've had the opportunity to talk to local officials, either one-on-one or as part of the LA County delegation of other senators and assembly members. And so I feel like I'm kept up to date and I'm able to then communicate it to members of my community.
0: Could you tell us about any particular trends you've noticed in your community? Are there any sort of unusual numbers <laughs> specific to the community? And then are there any sort of cultural? Definitely. Kind of cultural so I'm a little bit about
1: the area that I represent. My my district is 70% Latino,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and almost 70%, with the majority being immigrants from Mexico and Central America, Spanish-only speaking households. We have mixed status households where there's undocumented individuals living with others. And so it is a community that is not always informed of what's going on, and In terms of COVID, initially, when I started looking at the numbers of cases in the San Fernando Valley, the areas that I represent that were majority Latino, there was hardly any cases identified. We started to look into it, and we found that it was an issue of testing. The people were not getting tested. We have a lot of Medi-Cal recipients in in this area that maybe didn't have access to testing of COVID. Or they were going to the county hospital and they were not being tested. They were being sent home and just asked to self-isolate, but they weren't counted in the numbers for LA County. And so that's something that has changed in the last few weeks. I think my conversations with county health officials, they are now making testing more accessible to anybody without asking immigration status or whether they have health insurance or whether they can pay for it, which I think is very important to communicate to the public because everyone should be tested that has symptoms. That way they know and they can take measures to not spread the disease.
0: And what has outreach looked like recently in terms of speaking to other language populations, Spanish, other languages in your community? Well,
1: you know, I think the ethnic media here in Los Angeles, like for us, it's Univision, Telemundo for for the Spanish speaking community. They have been communicating daily information on COVID, which is very important because a lot of households in my district, that's all they watch all day. So they're not reading the LA Times or the New York Times. They get their information from the Spanish media. And also the county of Los Angeles, when they give their daily updates on COVID-19, at the end of the press conference, it switches into Spanish. So that way the Spanish media is able to record it, the messaging in Spanish, and also ask questions in Spanish. So that's very important because then they'll broadcast that on their channels and then more people hear the same information that English, the English media is communicating to the public.
0: In terms of SES, like social demographics, socioeconomic status, Mm -hmm. in your community, are you finding that a majority of people are working at this time? Are they able to stay indoors, stay at home? Not necessarily, you know, a lot of, I've
1: heard people that can work at home are working at home and are still employed, but we have a majority of people that work that are, for example, housekeepers, gardeners, service industry, or restaurants. And as you know, all of that is shut down. And so it is affecting the community. Daily, we are helping people with unemployment insurance claims. Some people need help filling out the application. They either don't have access to the internet or have a hard time using it to apply for unemployment. But we have a lot of food banks in the area that I'm very grateful to that they are stepping up and giving out food daily to families that need groceries because, like I said, a lot of these families are in the service industry or housekeepers, maybe people that don't qualify for unemployment insurance or, or haven't received their benefits yet. So They're struggling, but we have food banks that are giving groceries to people in need daily. We have a lot of senior citizens that need food delivered to them because they're unable to go to the grocery store. So there's an organization that's doing that. And so I think a lot of community members have stepped up, including nonprofits, because this is when we need them the most. And this is when people in need, you know, there were already families and senior citizens struggling
0: before this crisis. And now this has made it even worse for them. That leads to my next question about the things that were going well. And it sounds like so many wonderful things are happening. And then how could things be further improved in terms of processes, awareness? How could things be further improved at this time?
1: Well, I think a lot of people in my community rely on word of mouth. And there is a lot of misinformation being spread. And so that's what I do daily. That's why I try to post on social media. My team does it too. And we've started virtual town halls so that people can listen and inviting guest speakers. Like yesterday I had one with the regional health officer for the San Fernando Valley for LA County Public Health and it was very helpful to hear from an expert directly on this disease so That way misinformation doesn't get communicated. I think also now L.A. County is requiring us to wear masks when we go to essential businesses like grocery stores. And I think now everybody knows that. But sometimes there's still some people that aren't complying. And it's the best thing to protect themselves and from spreading the disease is to follow these guidelines.
0: How do you practice self-care during this time? How do you maintain your health and wellness? I spend
1: most of the day on conference calls or video conference calls and with either my team or state legislators or others. What I'm trying to do is set up a routine. So after five o'clock, I go for a run or a bike ride. And of course, I wear a protective mask, a cloth mask that I have. And just to feel like I still need to go outside and exercise so that I'm able to keep going every day. And then the end of the evening, I try to just watch something on TV that is not COVID related for at least an hour, you know, just to maintain. Because in the beginning, I was just watching the news 24 hours, right? Because there was so many new updates daily and I felt like it was affecting me. But as an elected official, I felt that i owed it to my constituents to know every update every every day and now i think i have found a routine and a schedule that works both for me personally like for self care and to still get updates on the current situation because People expect me to know the latest information. So I feel like I need to make sure that I do. I can't completely tune out because my job is to make sure that I know what is going on at the state level and local government level too. And, you know, I have friends and family that text me every day with questions and they ask me if something is true or not. So I feel like I, I mean, I want to keep up knowing the latest information, but at the same time, like you said, self-care is important to all of us. And we need to make sure that we're doing something that works for us, that keeps us sane, I guess, and knowing that eventually we'll get back to normal. I think it's brought a lot of people together, you know, what I've seen, the community, people are really helping others and, or some, like, I feel like I'm communicating more with people because, you know, through video and using technology tools than before, because everybody is willing to use them now, because it's our only option. And I feel like I'm communicating with more constituents and others which I think is good, even though I I would prefer to see them in person and have face-to-face conversations. I think it's made us all reach out to more people in our lives.
0: And so do you have a message that you would share, that you would like to share with the world, with people in general out there? First, of course, continue to stay home, follow the The
1: stay-at-home orders in your areas it's important. It's the reason that California is starting to bend the curve when they say flatten the curve. I think we stepped up, our governor, Governor Newsom, stepped up and right away implemented these stay-at-home orders, which I think is the reason that we don't have as many cases as other high-population states like New York, New Jersey, because we immediately did something to try to prevent that, the number of cases. I encourage everyone to utilize resources that are available, either from the county, city. Contact your elected officials. Like I'm a state representative and people contact me to, for help with state agencies and other issues. And if it's something that I can't help with, I will connect people with the right agency or the right elected official that can potentially help them. So don't stay quiet, You know, ask for help and make sure that you're staying healthy, that you are cleaning your area, and even have a plan to potentially self-isolate if it's going to be necessary. You know, I have a plan if for some reason I were to get the coronavirus. I live with my mom, and she's 77, and I would not want to her to get the virus from me. So I have a plan on what we'll do if for some reason I were to get it. And so I think it's important to have a plan too. And I continue to work hard to make sure that Assembly District 39 is not forgotten. And I'm focusing on providing Statewide relief on COVID-19 for my constituents. I think we will come back strong from this and it will make our community even more resilient than it was before.
0: And they say that in times of challenge, this is where we find out who we really are. Yes, I have experienced that firsthand.
1: There's been a lot of people that have contacted me that didn't in the past and because they want to help. And they think, well, you're probably getting a lot of calls from people that really need help. So can you connect me to someone that I can help, which I'm very proud of.
0: That is beautiful. Thank you so much, Assemblymember Luz Rivas, for being available today for our podcast. I loved hearing about your region that you serve. I loved hearing about how you've been able to support the community in English and Spanish and how we can continue to be of service to the world, to be of service to other people and the great things that are happening in California. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thank you. And thank you for inviting me to be a guest on your podcast and for everything that you do for ensuring public health and that people know the right information.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions, any burning questions about COVID-19, feel free to send me a message in Anchor. Anchor.fm slash COVID-19 PPC is our website. And until next time, stay well. Take good care out there